0: (laughs) Welcome to Watch Out, where we dig through our DVD dungeon, where we scour the endless streaming landscape, all to help you find some kick-ass horror movies. Hello and welcome to Watch Out, the horror movie review podcast. We're glad to have you with us. Our goal is to provide you with spoiler-free reviews and recommendations for both recent films and horror classics. And boy, tonight do we have a lot of recommendations for both recent films and horror classics. I am Jason the Terrible, broadcasting from Ottawa, Ontario, and I am joined from Vancouver, BC, as always, by Grave Robber Jeff.
1: I thought classics weren't allowed in this week's episode.
0: And
2: Slice and Dice and Dave. Classics, eh? Like, you mean like wind instruments and
0: violins and such? That's classical. Well, son of a bitch. Hey, everybody, this is Slice and Dice and Dave. How are ya? All right, as I hinted there in our introduction, we have a lot of recommendations for you tonight because we are doing our first ever top ten list on Watch Out Horror Movie Review Podcast. We did a top five list in our first ever episode, but we're doubling down. This is going to take Forever. I
2: hope you guys have a big bowl of popcorn and some some uh, water to like,
0: just so you don't like die of dehydration while you're listening to this. You see? Well, I don't think it's gonna take that long. You never know. So we have for you the top ten under the radar or underappreciated movies that we
2: liked that maybe not so many people have heard of.
0: Well, so so that's the thing. Let's let's talk about what this means, right? When I suggested this, I wanted to basically come up with a top ten list that didn't contain all the movies that typically show up in other people's top ten lists. I like those lists too, but I wanted to try to do something that included a bunch of different movies. So I wanted to think about, well, which movies don't get enough love? And that could be either because not enough people saw them, they flew under people's radar, or nobody gave them a fair chance, right? They, they were underappreciated. So, of course, that's going to vary from person to person. There are lots of horror fans out there that are probably going to look at these lists and say, these aren't so under the radar, but I, th- I, think, we're, I think we did our best here to come up with a pretty wide spectrum of different horror options that are not on the tip of everyone's tongue. I, I think this is going to be an interesting recommendation list. At least from my perspective, I have no idea what you guys picked. But does that cover sort of the approach that you guys took to picking your top 10 here?
1: I would say my approach was just scanning the memory banks for any movie that still stuck with me after many years. And then if that didn't show up on any highly rated lists on the internet, I included it.
0: That works. Uh, I'm okay with that. That was a good
2: way doing Yeah, this, uh, this was a tr- tricky uh, week here. First off... Your, your mind's a, a, an interesting creation, isn't it? So there's movies that, that I, I liked, or I thought I liked, and I, I watched them again because I was like, hey, I'm going to put this on my top 10 list, and I, I didn't care for it the second time around. And then there were movies that I watched, it and, and I was like, holy crap, this is still just as awesome as I remembered it. Uh, it was a very challenging list to make, I'm not going to lie.
0: Yeah, and you were telling me that you went back and watched a lot this past week. I did. Oh,
2: my God. I haven't watched so many movies in a week for a long time. And it was arduous. And the first movie that I rewatched, I didn't care for. So it it really put a bad taste in my mouth. I was disappointed. And I said, this is just going to be the worst week of my life. (laughs) Oh, but boy, boy, did some of these films turn me around. And I'm super glad that I
1: spent hours and hours watching these movies. One thing that actually helps with watching movies over again, uh, I don't know if you guys had an old PlayStation 3 or not. Sure like did. You could, actually, you could watch movies in one and a half speed where you can still hear the, the dialogue. You just watch it faster.
0: I can't believe I didn't do that with any of these movies. <laughs> so I also went back and watched a bunch of these. I watched six and a half, essentially. That's um, pretty good. What, what I found was it did change my order quite a bit. What I thought was going to be my number one ended up being my number two on second, <gasps> on second watch. And well, I wonder what the hell jumped up to number one. How exciting. And there were, a, there were a couple that I started watching, and I'm like, ooh, I remember these being a lot better. And I thought I'd be dropping them off my list. But then I stuck with them, and they actually went higher than I thought. I mean these movies are in contention on my list for a reason they were good they were enjoyable and and this is these movies kind of remind me of that that spirit of of finding the the hidden gem in the rough of why I like horror movies watching a movie that you have no expectations that you're going to like and you come away from it really loving it and that's yeah, what that's, this list means well, to me big time that's 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 a lot of the fun of horror isn't it
2: these ones that just come out of nowhere and just surprise you how awesome they are you know what i'm
1: saying just How'd for you... information my, my list ranges from 1986 to 2015
0: Ooh. you don't say nice you don't say Interesting. yeah my oh. my earliest one is from 1994 and my earliest? latest yep yeah, and my wow. latest one is 2011 well you don't say well
2: then i guess i have to jump into this don't i here so my earliest one is from 1985. Is that? Is that the earliest? Yeah. Well there's a couple from 1985. And uh, my latest, get this, is 2014. All right. Pretty good. Interesting. Eh? So that, yeah. so that means no none of you have one of the ones that I've picked. <laughs> You're good at math. <laughs> Look at that. I figured that out myself.
1: That means nobody has picked anything between 2016 and 2022. No, yeah.
0: and yeah. you know what? I think that's okay because it sort of goes towards the theme where you want you you don't want something that's completely in the the public zeitgeist right now, right? You know. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. You know, give it give it five, six, seven years, and it starts to become one of those under the radar movies. But we did agree to stay away from movies that we've featured on the podcast because the, I would like this to also serve as is a great place for people to come for recommendations if they're looking for something a little different. We do that in general with a lot of our reviews and mini reviews, but I was hoping to use this to highlight 30 movies that you may not have heard of. Even if you've heard of them, you may not have seen them yet or given them a chance. So... That's, that's where we're coming from. So, without further ado, should we get right into it, guys? Yes. Sure. 10. I'm going to lead off with a movie from 2009. All right, this one was directed by Robert Hall, who came up in conversation when we were talking about Fear Clinic that you reviewed a little while ago, Slice and Dice. Oh, and yeah.
2: Day. Yeah, I remember that.
0: Yeah, and Robert Hall, unfortunately, passed away this past year i remember that because i really like this movie this movie is called laid to rest the synopsis from Letterbox: a terrifying story of a young girl who wakes up with a traumatic head injury and no memory of her identity she quickly realizes she was abducted by a deranged serial murderer and in an isolated rural town she must survive the night and outsmart the technologically inclined killer who is hell-bent on finishing what he started just really quickly this is a brutal, brutal slasher movie. I mean, the gore is quite impressive. This guy uses really impressively dangerous looking knives, and they're obviously very sharp, let's put it that way. This is the one that I started watching half of it tonight, just before the show, because once I got through watching a bunch of the other ones, I realized I forgot a lot of the details of this one. I just remember it being very intense the first time, very enjoyable. Um, I will say that the first 15 minutes or so it probably came across as the most independent movie of of these 10 movies that i'm going to be talking about but the characters start to grow on you kevin gage especially as tucker but the the main girl is bobby sue luther she's the one i had a bit of a problem with the acting but she's the one with the head injury so i think part of it is that the the deal there is that she can't remember what things are called so she's acting a little punch drunk but it also stars Lena Headey from Game of Thrones and Sean Whalen from Tammy and the T Rex. So there's a little bit of star power in this independent feeling movie, and like I said, it's intense, lots of gore. You know, it's made by someone who likes those eighties slashers and he's he's amping it up a bit. So that's my number ten is Laid to Rest from two thousand nine. Ah, was- laid to rest, eh? Interesting. Well, I mean yeah. I liked uh did I like that friggin' fear clinic? I don't think I did in the end. I wish I had seen it so I could compare, but I have a feeling they're quite different.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. Thanks a lot, Jason. Number 10. I've not seen it. Maybe I'll have to take a look. watch.
0: All right. Slice and Dice and Dave.
2: Hey, thanks, man. I guess I'll go with uh, my uh, my number 10 here for under the radar kind of type list. (laughs) Uh, Number 10, Tammy and the T-Rex. No, I'm just kidding. Uh (laughs) Come on, I thought that was hilarious. Because we always talk about tammy no uh from 1990 get this fellas nightbreed you guys remember nightbreed
0: i haven't actually uh, seen nightbreed yet
2: yeah exactly right so directed by clive barker who's you know it's funny because clive barker's only directed a handful of films including hellraiser and lord of illusions um it was based on his 1988 novella cabal and uh so this is a movie that i've i had always seen the cover of and i've never seen it and i was always like oh night pretty day I don't know. so I, I watched it a few years back with jeff hilarious enough so we'll see if it makes his list <laughs> anywho what's cool about this movie is it takes place in calgary can you believe that calgary alberta Canadians. yeah anyway and a little town called midian which is maybe a fantasy type town yes no who knows there's monsters, there's a slasher run around, there's fantasies of all sorts, and it's a cool story kind of thing. And it's and it stars David Cronenberg, the, the director of Scanners, The Fly and Videodrome, and a dude named Craig Sheffer uh, as Aaron Boone, who I thought was actually pretty awesome. And I, th- I said to myself, I hope this guy did a bunch of awesome like action movies because he seemed like an action hero. Uh, he didn't so much, but he did Hellraiser Inferno, uh, a river runs through it, and he was uh, regular on One Tree Hill. Um, and then a gal named Ann Bobby, who who is the voice of a character from Bioshock 1 and 2, and she was uh, on Born of the Fourth of Dr- July. Anyway, the thing about Nightbreed is I didn't really explain what it was about. I'll take it from uh, Letterbox: A troubled young man is drawn to a mythical place called Midian, where a variety of monsters are hiding from humanity. Sounds pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Well, it's not. <laughs> anyway,
0: um, so this particular version I watched was not the director's cut. I was going to say that there is a director's cut out there, and it's I think it's on shutter, right?
2: the The particular uh, version I watched was not the director's cut. There is indeed a Clive Barker director's cut released in 2014 by Scream Factory. And you can watch it on shutter as well. There's, I don't know, something like a good half an hour more or something quite a bit more. So that'd be interesting because this one, it does seem a little choppy at times, but I thought it was pretty cool. The monsters are awesome, practical effects are awesome. Uh, filmed a little bit in Calgary, Alberta ish area, and a bunch in uh, London for that matter. Nightbreed, 1990. Cool.
0: I didn't know that Cabal was the novel that was based on because I own that novel and I haven't read it yet. So
2: that's interesting. So you haven't read the Cabal novel. And you haven't watched Nightbreed. Oh, do you know what's interesting about Nightbreed as well? I was looking at the IMDb quickly, and it says that there's a TV series announced called Nightbreed. So who knows if that's going to be regarding this, when when it's going to come out, what kind of show,
0: who knows. But that's a possibility. Keep your eyes open for that. Grave Robert, do you remember watching that one?
1: I do. Uh, I enjoyed that one as well. Cool. Didn't make your Especially list? Especially of- for the, uh, the variety of the... What do you call them? Monsters or whatever?
2: Yeah, man. There's some really (laughs) interesting monsters. And I like those. I like the fantasy, like fantasy horrors. And it's funny because it didn't do very well when it first came out. Now it's obviously, there's a little bit of a cult following going on there, which is uh, nice to see. Yeah, but it's weird because I guess it was like promoted as kind of a slasher film. And it's not really a slasher film, but it kind of is at the same time because, I mean, there's a goddamn slasher running around slashing people. But then you got this whole thing about Midian and the weird, freaky
0: monsters and shite. So anywho, Nightbreed. All right. Thank you, Slice and Dice and Dave. Great pick. Grave Rubber Jeff, you're number 10.
1: Yeah. So in thinking of movies that stuck out over time, I considered ones that made me feel great and ones that made me feel terrible. And and I know you guys have heard me talk about this one in the past. And anytime I can put it at the last position in the list. I'm going to take it. I know what you're going to so, pick. So, so, so number 10 is 2007 Funny Games. Nice. Directed by Michael Haneke, written by Michael Haneke. This one is actually a remake of the 1997 movie of the same name, written and directed by the same guy.
0: That's right, isn't it?
1: It is. The only difference, really, is one was set in Australia... And one was set in America. I guess for some reason he wanted to redo it for, for the American audience. Anyways, it stars Naomi Watts, who we all know from various movies, and Tim Roth is, oh, I guess I should say what it's about first. So a quick synopsis here. Two psychopathic young men take a family hostage in their cabin. So as you can clearly see from that, this is a home invasion movie, and it follows these two psychopath guys played by Michael Pitt and Brady Corbett as they terrorize Naomi Watts and her husband, Tim Roth, and their son, Georgie. And we've talked about a lot of like home invasion movies. This one does it very differently. We can say that there's a lot of stuff that happens in here. that will have you shaking your fist in anger at the screen. And I've had really no desire to watch it again, but. I, always, I still think about it to this day, and I've, I think it's been around 10 years since I watched it, so it made an impact. And I think if, if you're a horror fan, it would be interesting to know what your opinion is of, of this thing, because there's no more maddening movie that I've ever watched than this one. Comparing things to like movies like Cannibal Holocaust, which we've talked about, where we say that, oh, the director's trying to make a statement and all this malarkey. And that may very well be the case, but it's still not an enjoyable movie to watch. <laughs>
2: <laughs> funny Games comes up again. I can't believe it. I I still have not seen Funny Games, Jeff and Jay, and you guys are uh, you know yipping about it all the
0: time. So I can't believe that I have I have not gone out of my way to see it yet. I can't believe it either. You gotta watch it. This is a I, I like your justification there, Grave Robber. Any chance you get to put it on the end of the list, that's gold. So there you go.
1: Yeah, so I think what makes it so maddening is that the acting in it is really good. <laughs> yeah. so it's like, it really it really puts the screws to you, I'll put it that way. Gross.
2: Well, thank you very much,
1: uh, Grave Robin
2: Jeff, number uh, 10 for Grave robin Jeff, funny games.
1: All
0: right, that brings us to number nine. All right, my number nine pick is another 2009 movie. This movie is called Pandorum. It's directed by Christian Albert and written by Travis Malloy and Christian Albert. And I didn't write down the producers for a lot of these movies, but this one was produced by Paul W.S. Anderson of Resident Evil fame. And so we get from Rotten Tomatoes, astronauts Peyton, played by Dennis Quaid, and Bauer, played by Ben Foster, awake in a hypersleep chamber with no memory of who they are or what their mission might be. While Peyton stays behind to monitor the radio transmitter, Bauer ventures out into the chamber, out of the chamber, into the seemingly abandoned spaceship. The men quickly realize that they are not alone and that the fate of mankind hinges on what they do next. So yeah, as I said, Ben Foster and Dennis Quaid, Ben Foster, I couldn't remember where I saw him before, but then, of course, he played Angel in X-Men The Last Stand. Dennis Quaid was in lots of stuff. Also starring Anchi Trau. I don't know how to pronounce that. It's German. But she was one of the bad guys in Man of Steel. And, funny enough, an appearance by Norman Reedus, who plays Daryl in Walking Dead. So this was this predates Walking Dead by quite a bit. This one I've I've seen get a lot of hate, but... I really like the concept and there's a big mystery that's going on throughout this movie. It, I think it was a stroke of genius that these guys wake up and they, and part of the hypersleep consequence is that they have some short-term or long-term memory loss that eventually will come back. And we're finding out about their mission as they're remembering their mission and I've, I really found that effective. It's, it's a big budget movie, there's a lot of uh, special effects in this, it's, it's, it's kind of like an action horror movie, there's some creepy looking creatures, and I, I really found the ending to be satisfying. I think that was the best part that stuck with me about this one. This is one that I re-watched this past week, and it held up, I felt the same way after seeing it the second time, even though I knew it was coming i think it was more impactful the first time but it was still very well done i'm i'm a big fan of this one so that is my number nine pandorum from 2009
2: fantastic i enjoyed that movie if i remember correctly oh good you've seen it then i love science fiction horror films to be fair with you and
0: that's a that's a good one yeah i thought so thank you jason the terrible for your number nine pick slice and dice and dave what's your number nine well, thanks, guys.
2: I hope I'm not stealing this one away from Gray Robber Jeff. I'll feel terrible if, uh, if I am. <laughs> from 2005, Feast, directed by John Gulliger, who also directed Piranha 3DD, which I thought was a hilarious romp in uh, three-dimension horror movies. <laughs> anyway.
0: I bet so, you did.
2: <laughs> there you go. They're hungry, your dinner. Trapped in a remote tavern, a group of strangers must band together for survival. Outside the bar, a horde of ravenous flesh-eating monsters are trying to break in and dine on the frightened humans inside. Thank you, Letterboxd, for your synopsis. Yes, it felt like, to me, a mix of, like, Tremors and From Dusk Till Dawn, and even throwing a little VFW in there, you know what I'm saying? Because they're all stuck in a tavern, and it's just like, you know... A gory monster movie, but they, they did it in a very clever way. They kind of introduce you to all the characters. So if, if you watch the first like five minutes of the movie and, and you go, this is terrible, well, then you're not going to like the movie. <laughs> but if you watch the first five minutes and go, ooh, I kind of like how they're introducing everybody and stuff, well, that's the type of movie it is. It's, it's fun. It's, uh, it's got some wit to it. Um, a lot of gore and grossness uh, starring a bunch of people. Balthazar Getty. You know, that dude from Lord of the Flies, Young Guns 2, Lost Highway. Navi Rowett from The O.C. and all sorts of TV shows. Krista Allen, Henry Rollins from The Rollins Band, you know that guy. And Judah Friedlander. I uh, saw that guy live in in New York for a stand-up comedy show, which was pretty cool. And that was around the same time that this came out. So I don't know if maybe he was filming it right when I went and saw him. Wouldn't that be something? But anyway, Feast. There's not much to it, but it's entertaining and enjoyable. What do you guys think? You guys remember Feast? I enjoyed Feast. And it spawned two sequels, didn't it? At least. Number it,
0: two and number three. Right? I watched all three movies in one weekend. When I watched and you're it for telling the first me time. Feast hasn't made your top ten or has it? <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny except to say that no it didn't. Oh. But it was enjoy- come on, that was a super enjoyable movie no it was, it was actually yeah I just I had a strong feeling that one of the two of you was probably going to put it on there and I, I would have thought yeah I would have thought Jeff for sure but
2: yeah. anywho there's a lot of stuff that happens in that movie that is uh, what the F moments you know what I'm saying yeah but awesome what the F moments you never know what's going to happen in that one that's the cool thing about it yeah I want to watch that one again you can borrow my DVD Jeff great <laughs>
0: It's in the mail. All right, Grave Robber Jeff, on that note, what is your number nine?
1: For my number nine pick, we travel back to 1986. (gasps) And a movie that was released kind of right in the middle of all the slasher movies like The Elm Streets and The Friday the 13th and all those things. They were trying to take advantage of the popularity of that genre, but at the same time, do something a little different. And I think they succeeded. It's 1986, April Fool's Day.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: Nice pick. So one comment I have to say about this one is that as a kid, it was always in the rental store in the horror section because it's got the girl with like the noose braid hiding a knife behind her back.
0: I never noticed the noose braid. The knife, yes. Oh. Oh.
1: Yeah, and I always remember seeing the box and like, wow, I want to watch that one day. But I don't think I ever watched it until I found it in a bargain bin in the 2010s <laughs> sometime. Possibly Walmart, yeah. So I'm like, oh, I remember that. Oh, I got to watch it. And so I thought it would be like a like a traditional slasher movie, but definitely not, definitely not. Directed by Fred Walton, who also directed When a Stranger Calls, which is a more popular Horror movie, and there's a bunch of cast and crew that that worked on a few of the different franchise series as well. So quick synopsis here: nine college students staying at a friend's remote island mansion begin to fall victim to an unseen murder over the April Fool's Day weekend. And so that's pretty much it. So the the friends or the the girl who's hosting the party, Deborah Foreman, plays Muffy. And there's a whole bunch of people in this one, but a couple of people I recognize. Tom Wilson, if you guys remember Tom Wilson, who was uh, Biff from Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. He also, he also played uh, Maniac in the Wing Commander games. <laughs> I always have to bring that up. because we're, we're almost
0: cool. going to need a bell for the Wing Commander references. <laughs> yeah. Well, Isn't as soon something. as they went
1: to live action movie video games, they had all these actors in them. Oh, that's a good point. Anyway, so that's that's as soon as I saw him. I'm like, Maniac! And, but, but he was also in Back to the Future. And Amy Steele's in here, who is the uh, lady from Friday the 13th Part 2. That's right. And a bunch of other people that I didn't really recognize. But acting overall was decent. Yeah, it's definitely not... Like, if you're expecting a Friday the 13th or a, that sort of thing, it's definitely not quite that... But there's enough cool things they do in here that makes it interesting. I think it's just different. And part of the thing I was trying to do with this list was kind of like pick ones that weren't your traditional horror movies. And and this one's definitely not a traditional one.
0: I've heard a lot of people, you know, your reaction to funny games, I think they might have the same reaction to this one. You know, shaking their fist at the screen.
1: Interesting. But but it is the eight, it's very 80s if, if you follow me. I do. <laughs> the acting is, is fairly decent, and Deborah Foreman does play a, a pretty good creepy lady.
2: Nice. Well, fan, goddamn fantastic. Hey, next time uh, every, every all these listeners are like coming up to April 1st, April Fools Day, they'll they'll
1: throw in this uh, movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. And I should just finish off saying it's a fun movie, not a uh,
0: depressing dark movie
1: yeah
2: (laughs) okay when you say fun is it a is it a a, a comedic horror
1: or is it just kind of you know what i'm saying (laughs) lighthearted? there's some comedy in there but it's not a horror comedy i don't think no gotcha okay that's
2: what i was going to ask
0: well thank you very much uh great robin jeff all right so for my number eight pick this is my most recent pick from 2011. It's also the lowest rated from the users on Rotten Tomatoes with a 32% um, based on only 5,000 user reviews. So yeah, I think this that's, pr- one is, that's pretty under the radar there, Jay. I think it's under the radar and underappreciated, but I really like this movie. This movie is Lovely Molly. Never mm. even heard of it. All right, so this was written and directed by Eduardo Sanchez, who was actually one of the writer-directors of The Blair Witch Project. You're probably asking yourself, oh man, is this a found footage movie? And if you pop it in and you start watching it and you see all the video camera introduction and stuff, you're going to be thinking, oh crap, it's a found footage movie. But it's not. It's actually a hybrid between the two. I think that still counts. I mean, it's done in such a way that's actually realistic, right? Like you, When someone videotapes something... They're always starting and stopping, and it's never one long thing where you're wondering why they're not putting the camera down. So Mm -hmm. the video clips are interwoven with the actual movie. Some of the scariest parts of this movie were how they integrated the the handheld shots. Quick synopsis, newlywed Molly and her husband Tim move into her deceased father's house in the countryside, where painful memories soon begin to haunt her. This is not a feel-good movie. This is a dark movie. It starts off with, with a home alarm going off. I don't know if you guys have ever had that happen. Home invasion movies, say it again and again, are on the top of my list of movies that freak me out. The Molly character is home alone a lot in this movie, and things start happening that are just freaky. And so it's part ghost story, it's part possession movie, um, but you're never really sure what's going on. What I've heard the criticism here is that there's a lot of loose ends that are left at the end. I don't consider that a bad thing, because the whole thing just has you on edge throughout from the beginning of the movie to the end. Gretchen Lodge stars as Molly. It's quite a courageous performance. The the movie has its dark humor and kind of, there's there's some kinky aspects to it too, and And this was her first movie. Very courageous performance. I don't think she's done a lot since. That's unfortunate. Playing her husband is Johnny Lewis. He was in One Missed Call. Actually, you mentioned One Missed Call there, Grave Rubber Jeff. He was also in Alien vs. Predator Requiem. 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 And Alexandra Holden plays Hannah. She was in The Hot Chick. And I think I've seen her in a few other places, too. This one... Had a lot of things going for it in terms of being creepy and just unnerving, but I think the main thing for me was was Gretchen Lodge's performance was, I gotta say, spectacular in this one. So, 2011, Lovely Molly.
2: Well, interesting. That's a movie I hadn't heard of, Jason. So thank you very much for uh,
0: enlightening us. This is what I'm trying to do. All right, Slice and Dice and Dave, how about you enlighten us? Hey. Hey, for my number 8, we travel back in time
2: to 1987. (laughs) I picked a lot of 80s movies, I think. So uh, 1987 is when it uh, was released. It was filmed in 1983. It's got some really interesting stories about what the original name was and all this and that. I'll just tell you what it's called nowadays. (laughs) From 1987. Blood Rage. Directed by John Grissmer. So the reason I say uh, it has some interesting stories about names and something, I'm sitting there watching the old Blu-ray, and then up comes uh, the title of what the movie's called, and it says, Slasher. I said, what the shit? (laughs) So so I was like, I didn't think too much of it. And then uh, it originally came out into the theaters as uh, Nightmare at Shadow Woods, a heavily edited theatrical release. Let me get to the old uh, synopsis, please, everybody. Uh, the tagline goes something like this. Not all the evil is on Elm Street. In 1974, Terry commits a murder and pins it on his twin brother, Todd. Ten years later, Todd escapes from a mental institution on the same day as Terry's murderous instincts resurface. Oh, oh, and then, so, so you know obviously what happens there, eh? This is a Thanksgiving movie, everybody. Anyway, it takes place in Jacksonville, Florida. Filmed uh, primarily around Jacksonville, Florida. 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 Um, I found the acting pretty subpar most of the times, but I still loved the actors. And I wouldn't have recast any of them. <laughs> uh, there's very good kills, very good deaths. I thought the idea was great, like having twins and one was a murderous killer and the other one wasn't. And then... Obviously, the other one was pinned with the the murder, like I said, in the synopsis. So then then obviously he comes back. So what do they think? They they think this guy's probably going to be going around doing a bunch of murders. Unbelievable. Starring Mark Soper as Todd and Terry. He did a very good job of acting, uh, doing both of the twins there. And he hasn't really done too much else, that guy. I was kind of sad because he was pretty good. And then Louise Lasser is his mother. Um... Funnily enough, uh, if you've seen a movie called Frankenhooker, uh, she's Jeffrey's mother in Frankenhooker. Poor gal drank a lot of wine in this movie. You know, having sons the way that she's had, she just drank so much wine. Great movie, great 80s horror movie. Quite a surprise, actually. It's another one that I always saw, The Box, and I was like, oh god, I gotta watch that. And then I I ended up buying the uh, Arrow video out in England, because it was a region-free one. I was definitely surprised and happy. So it comes in at number
0: eight, Blood Rage. Nice. Thank you, Slice and Dice and Dave. I haven't heard of that one. What? Grave Robber Jeff, have you heard of Blood Rage?
1: I don't believe I have. What?
0: Blood Rage. This this is good. It's flown under (laughs) our radar. There you go. It's pretty good, guys. Grave Robber Jeff, how about your number eight?
1: For the number eight, we go back to 2005. I was hoping I could come up with like more like description of what was going on during these certain <laughs> years, but 2005's Dark Water. Oh, get out of town. So this is a movie that actually had some some Hollywood power in there with Jennifer Connelly and John C. Riley. Oh, and Tim Roth was in there. He was in Funny Games as well. And uh, it's written by the same... Crazy person who wrote *The Ring*. If you guys remember *The Ring*,
0: I remember *The Ring*. Terrifying. Yeah. Wrote the remake or wrote the original?
1: Well, it was a book, so it's the same. The same author that wrote *The Ring* wrote the story for *Dark Water*. Okay, interesting. Gotcha. So it's definitely a horror mystery. If you like *The Ring*, uh, there's a good chance you'll like this one. The story revolves around Jennifer Connelly and her daughter Ariel Gay, who plays Cece, who are just in the midst of a bitter custody battle with the dad, and they've got to move and find a place where they can live in in downtown Manhattan, or somewhere close to New York. They're looking all over New York for somewhere to live. And they settle in on this very run-down apartment building. It's not very pleasant, but they don't have a lot of money, and as they're getting shown the apartment by John C. Riley, there, who plays Mr. Murray, some creepy stuff goes down, And all of a sudden, the daughter really wants to live there. And uh, Jennifer Connelly doesn't know why. But she's at her wit's end, and she just takes the apartment. Yeah, a lot of weird stuff happens. I do have to say that uh, the act was pretty good and the child actor, Ariel, there was really good in this one, I thought. And it's definitely more of a horror mystery than a horror slash fest. It's very tense, very creepy. Uh, the ending's pretty cool, in my opinion. I think it's worth a watch if if you like the horror mysteries and if you like the Ring.
0: Cool. I yeah, think I have seen Dark Water way back once upon a time. Yeah, so did I. And always like Jennifer Connelly. So. Yeah, so so do I. Great, great,
2: Robin Jeff. Thanks for uh, your number eight pick, Dark Water from two
0: thousand five. Number seven. All right, so here is my number 7 pick. Actually a movie from the UK. Huh? I think this is I think this is the only one that's that's not a North American movie, but it's a it's a horror comedy actually that I happened to stumble across. It's directed by Christopher Smith, written by Christopher Smith and James Moran, and it's called Severance. So, during a team-building retreat in the mountains, a group of sales representatives for a weapons manufacturing company are hunted down one by one. Now, this is one of those ones that I had a high opinion of when I first saw it, but I didn't remember a lot of the details. So when I re-watched it, I was watching the first 20 minutes or so, and I'm like, oh my god, I don't think this is going to make my top 10 list. Mm -hmm. And I almost considered, like, popping it out and moving to something else but but i trusted my past self (laughs) and i think i think the reason why the first little bit was hard to get through is that the acting is a little i mean the characters are very caricatures of themselves so i don't know maybe in the same way that the office is and i'm not comparing the comedy to the office but i think the characters are a little over the top and very very stereotypical characters and the comedy seemed a little forced but by the time it gets going and granted it's probably about half an hour into into the movie once it gets going it's actually very good the story goes in directions that that were quite unexpected even when you know even for someone who's seen it twice and it has been a while but but i didn't remember all the way all the directions it went into and the characters that i was originally annoyed by were actually actually became quite likable and some of the some of the comedy once the horror starts was actually pretty well done I do recommend this one quite highly obviously it's my number seven it it went from potentially being not on my list at all to to jumping up to number seven it's worth a watch but go in with an open mind and and make it through the first through the first half hour and you'll be fine the the payoff is quite good. All these actors and actresses are probably only going to be recognizable to those who follow some of the British type movies. Laura Harris is in there as Maggie. She was in the faculty. Toby Stevens was from Die Another Day. He had a had a fairly major role in Die Another Day, so he would be recognizable.
2: Laura Laura Harris is a pretty well known gal, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, and I and I liked her in this movie a lot. And that was that was probably one of the reasons why the movie turned out a lot better than than I originally thought. Yeah. Number seven. Bit of a surprise, which I guess is what this whole list is about. So there right you on. go ever this might
2: you know that kind of kind of interests me there jay um how would i go about watching this
0: all right so in canada it's only available for streaming on Flixfling, fling but in the u.s it's all over the place you can get it on hbo max and hbo um, direct tv pluto tv and then buy and rent at your regular places so it is out there um stupid canada then blame canada <laughs> Oh, All right, Slice and Dice and Dave, what's your number seven? Oh, geez, I forgot that I was supposed
2: to do something. Hold on, I was too busy. Because what I've been doing, which was, has been nice, is I've been putting your movies that you're doing, I've put it up there so I know what the hell you're talking about, and I'm following along type deal. There you go. So hold on. That's I'm a nice idea. Yeah, it's kind of fun, actually. <laughs> well, I'm going to start by saying the tagline for my number seven pick jeff might know this one from 1985 this is what the tagline went ding dong you're dead that's right
1: this movie
2: jeff knows this one my number seven pick house (laughs) directed by steve miner who directed friday the 13th part two and part three as well as halloween h20 and lake placid So there you go. You figure Friday the 13th, Part 2 and 3 are the more popular ones. He also did House. So there you go. Let me just do a slight little uh, synopsis here. Roger Cobb is an author who has just separated from his wife. He moves into a new house and tries to work on a novel based on his experiences in the Vietnam War. Strange things start happening around him. Little things at first. But as they become more frequent, Cobb becomes aware that the House resents his presence. <laughs> Thank you, Letterbox, for your uh, synopsis. There's lots going on in this one here, hey? Eh? It's kind of poltergeisty and throwing some evil dead and throwing some war film business. You got uh, William Cat, which is hilarious because it turns out I worked with him and I didn't know. God, I gotta pay more attention to people that I'm working with. <laughs> Kay Lenz is Sandy Sinclair. And uh, you got the lovable next door neighbor who is George Went from Cheers. You guys remember Cheers,
0: right? Yeah, and George uh, Went from VFW as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, there you go. And then you got uh, the guy from Night Court, Richard Mall. So not only do you get a dude from Cheers, you get a dude from Night Court. So there you go. And then uh, so yeah, there's some cool monsters. There's a there's quite a lot of funny parts. I wouldn't say like it's a horror comedy per se, but there are some at times it's kind of light but it's kind of there's a lot to it first off you got like this haunted house but then you got like the poor guy uh, roger cobb like his mind right because he went to vietnam so like is he suffering from a lot of stuff that happened there plus he's got his wife separation he's got a missing son he's got a dead aunt that's why he's got the house uh, lots going on then you throw in monsters and stuff,
1: and a uh, pretty goddamn good movie from nineteen eighty-five. House. There are some quite funny lines from that movie that I still remember. Like what, I I remember
2: is, Jeff? It, yeah, is well, I one, can't give is, away all the funny lines. Is there? Is one of the funny lines when the guys in the back uh, backyard digging? Yeah, yeah. And 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 she goes, "Hey, hey, what you digging?" And he goes, "A hole." Oh God, that was fun
0: Doesn't take much, does it?
2: (laughs) Oh God But hey, do you know what's funny about this particular movie? Uh, Obviously I was looking around at House There's another movie from Japan From 1977 as well called House Now it's got nothing to do with this particular house As far as I can tell But just for a larf I watched the preview And holy shit, does that look like an interesting movie (laughs) Complete side note But uh, if anybody's seen 1977's House, let us know how it is, because that looks insane. But anyway, my pick is 1985's House, directed by Steve Miner.
0: All right. Thank you, Slice and Dice and Dave. Grave Robber Jeff, how about your number seven pick?
1: All right. So this selection for number seven is is by a well-known director that's done many movies, some I've liked, some I didn't like. Uh, But there's quite a gap between this one and his previous movies. So it's M. Night shyamalan ding dongs 2015 movie, The Visit.
2: Or get out of town. I
1: probably, I probably shouldn't say shyamalan Dong, ding dong right? I just, it just seems like you should say shyamalan ding dong I don't I think, think everybody knows
0: what you mean, but maybe you could you could give his actual name just in case.
1: So M. Night Shyamalan's 2015 movie, The Visit.
0: I'm totally keeping all that in there, Don't, Don't worry. <laughs> Oh, whatever, okay. I don't
1: Thanks. care. <laughs> Let the hate mail flow. <laughs> so, like, I really like Sixth Sense. I wasn't the biggest fan of The Village and the signs. You didn't like but signs? Oh, well, it was okay. It was just wasn't great, in, in my right. opinion. So when we had one of our horror nights, because uh, we have those every Halloween. I can't remember how many years ago we watched this one. But, and I didn't even realize it existed and that that he had put out another movie. And so I was very interested to see how this one would go across my brain. So it's about two kids played by Olivia Dijon and Ed Oxenbold who actually both starred in Better Watch Out from our Christmas episode, if you guys... That's right. Oh, yeah,
2: you don't say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: they're both from that movie. And anyway, so their mom hasn't seen the grandparents in many, many years, and so she figures that, uh, oh, I'm going on a cruise with my new boyfriend, I'm going to get the kids to go visit the grandparents while I'm on vacation, and they can take care of them, and blah, 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 blah.
2: What a great and so idea. they get to the,
1: gra- <laughs> yeah, seems to make sense. And so they arrive at the house, they meet the grandparents, everything's all hunky-dory. Uh, the daughter, Olivia, who plays, or the daughter, Becca, who is played by Olivia Dijon, uh, decides to do a kind of like a document, a documentary about the whole meetup and all that's going on, which gives it kind of a up-to-date feeling. And things start off pretty well, but a- as the vacation goes on, there's some mysterious and disturbing behavior, by, from the grandparents that that makes things pretty creepy, and, and some are just very unpleasant. Huh. And, uh, there are actually different parts in this one where you get a bit jumpy. There, it's kind of creepy, and there's a lot of dark and like creepy sounds and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I I found it a very entertaining movie, and I think if you like any of his other movies, you'll you'll probably like this one. Yeah, I guess that's it. Twenty fifteen's <laughs> The Visit by M Night Shyamalan. Ding dong.
0: Nice pick. One that I have to definitely check out. All right. Hey, what you, have you guys seen? Have you guys seen Devil from Shamalam? and He just produced that <laughs> one. He didn't direct it. But yes, I've oh, seen it. Oh,
2: oh,
1: okay. That's a good. Okay, one well, that, that, that makes
2: sense because I'm sitting there going, because I'm hearing a lot of hate about the movies he directs, and I'm sitting there going, well, no one's, because uh, they're all like, oh yeah, well, I like this one and this one, but no one ever says anything about Devil. So I guess it's because he didn't direct it. Way to pay attention,
0: Dave. Wait to pay attention.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> I like that one.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great one. Okay, good, good, good. All right, we're almost finished our first half, everybody. Let's move into our yeah. number six pick.
1: Number six. six. Jason, Thank God, I'm give us for a... that intermission.
2: Yeah, we do get an intermission, <laughs> right? Jason, what's your number six pick for movies you think are under the radar for horror fans,
0: or underappreciated? And I would say or this one. Or underappreciated. One's, I would say this one might be one of those underappreciated ones. Because it did get 100,000 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, but it came in at a 63. And this is a 2006 movie, directed oh. and written by James Gunn, who is the director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. You guys stop me if you've heard of this one. Guardians of the Galaxy? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to give you the synopsis.
2: Oh, right. shit. Let's see. Uh, Let's see if we can figure this out, Jeff.
0: A small town is taken over by an alien plague, turning residents into zombies and all forms of mutant monsters. The crazies. No. I thought you guys would know this one right away. Starring Nathan Fillion, Elizabeth Banks, Michael Rooker, Greg Henry. Yes, my friends, I am talking about 2006's Slither. Oh yeah, that hey, that almost uh, made my yes, list. Yes. That almost made my list, guys. Well, it made my number 6 spot in my list. And I, I rewatched it. It was actually the mm-hmm. first one from this list that I rewatched. Yeah. Way back at the beginning of this week. It's just so much fun. It is so <laughs> gross though, but it's so much fun. And
1: <laughs> I mean, it th- think something's wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> what did she say? God, I love that movie. Yeah, hey, you know, I got
0: it. There's, there's, so Michael Rooker really sells it. I mean, this guy is crazy. I know him from Walking Dead primarily, but you know he's he was in Guardians of the Galaxy too. I think uh, he and James Gunn get along well together. And there's a lot of body horror in this. It reminded me actually of the final scene of Society. There's a there's a lot of parallels there it's also very Lovecraftian with a lot of tentacles everywhere like it's called Slither Um, basically a meteorite lands outside a small town and there was a lot of comparisons to Night of the Creeps with this one like basically alien brain slugs that turn people into zombies (laughs) but I haven't seen Night of the Creeps so I can't comment I really like this one the comedy is genuinely funny just the delivery of the lines is perfect like Michael Rooker has started to look the worst for wear. It's very gross. And Elizabeth Banks, who plays his wife, looks at him and is like horrified. And he's like, no, no, it's just a bee sting. My doctor says he'll be fine. Um, Even Nathan Fillion, who, I mean, I remember him being a bit more swashbuckling in in Serenity. He plays the sheriff in this movie. Just up and down, the the acting was, was very good. Really liked Elizabeth Banks. I mean, she's gone on to do so many things and be a very successful producer and director in Hollywood as well, but around this time she was in Spider Man and Hunger Games and Lego movie. Yeah, this is this is an ode to those those cheesy old monster movies. It's an old to the ode to the gore classics. If you if you've got the stomach for it, it's it's an experience. I loved it. It's number six, it's Slither. <laughs> Sorry, I think I, said, I got
1: the quote wrong there. I think it's actually "something's wrong with me," instead of uh, whatever <laughs> I said before. I thought that's what you said, that, uh, something like that. Anyways, that that's one of the most unforgettable scenes you'll ever see.
2: <laughs> oh, it's funny because uh, I heard of a story. It was filmed uh, down down here, and uh, I heard of a story of one of the special effects makeup gals. They had to, it was late at night and they had to go to the local, like, shoppers' drug market or whatever. And they cleaned out the entire section of KY Jelly. <laughs> and the gal set the tiller, like, whoa, <laughs> where are you, what are you guys up to tonight? But anyway, so yeah, yeah, lots of KY Jelly and
0: Slither. Yeah, you oh, can tell. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you, now that you both have seen society, do you see the similarities?
2: Uh,. Okay, if it's
0: this hard for you to make the connection, you might have to go and rewatch it. Yeah,
2: I I think I watched it somewhat recently. Maybe no, you know what? Probably like eight years ago.
1: No, it's a, it's a wonderful movie, and people might. <laughs> I think uh, Nathan Fillion, who's who's Castle, like people might know him from Castle. Castle is a pretty popular series, so if anyone likes him, they'll probably enjoy. Uh, this one as well just hey,
2: he's he he's goddamn canadian did you guys know that maybe
1: <laughs> there's sorry just one more thing about slither <laughs> there's one disemboweling <laughs> scene in there that is quite something and i'll stop talking <laughs> about something i
2: i i really hope that uh, slither is on jeff's list i guess we'll have to
0: wait and see all right slice and dice and dave you're number six. Oh my god
2: Thank you, Jason the Terrible. I'm going to get somber and serious here for a minute, because this is my number six pick from 2009, The Loved Ones. Directed by Sean... Yeah, directed by Sean Byrne, uh, who also uh, directed... I guess it's not recent anymore. 2015's The Devil's Candy, which was a pretty good one as well. Uh, So this one's an Australian one. I have no idea how I found this film. I, I honestly think I might have bought it from Dollarama for like two bucks or something. But anyway, I, ha- I had the DVD. Um, I watched it, and I loved it. If there's one thing that you'll uh, always remember, is if somebody asks you to go to a dance, you say yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's an unfortunate story. Basically, I'll kind of cut some of the fat out. A gal asks a dude to go to a dance, and he says No. And, uh, well, she didn't take it very well. (laughs) Uh, Horrible stuff happens. Horrible stuff. Go watch the trailer. That's all i got to say. The Loved Ones, 2009. Great film. Oh, starring Robin McCleavy uh, as Princess, the the nutsoid one. She was from Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, as well as a series called Hell on Wheels. And uh, Brent, played by Xavier Samuel who uh, was in Fury, and Jeff, you don't remember it, but we watched a movie called Bait that was also an Australian movie about the uh, shark in the supermarket, which was oh, surprising, yeah. surprisingly good. Uh, 2009's The Loved Ones, very good. Very uh, very brutal, but very nice. No, not nice at all. <laughs> very good, <laughs> but I loved it. God, she's good, man. That Robin McClevey.
1: You remember that movie, Jeff? You saw it, haven't you? Yeah, we watched it on one of our earlier Halloweens. Oh,
2: there you go. Have you heard of it, Jason the Terrible?
0: Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't had the chance to watch it. It's not one that's readily available on the old streaming services here in Canada. Oh, is it not? Let me check. Let me check the old letterbox and tell you if you're right. You're right. You'd have to rent it. All right, nice pick. I've got such a list to watch, and as we're only halfway through. In fact, we're oh, not let's... even totally halfway through, because we need Grave Robber Jeffs, number oh six. Oh my god, pick. Grave
1: Robber Jeff, number six, what here's do you got? The, here, here's the last one of the first half. Yeah! Movie number 15 of 30, is that what we're at here? That's
0: right, and we don't have any
1: crossovers yet. Wow. Crazy wow. talk, eh? That is crazy talk. All right, so to wrap up the first half, we go back to 2009. I was visiting my brother Dave in England at the time, <gasps> so it was around t- 2010, somewhere in there.
2: Oh, I know what you're going to um, say,
1: but I'll let you say it. And, <laughs> and it's something that, that I thought was under the radar, but then I just found out it recently was put on Amazon Prime, so a lot more people might be watching it now, so maybe by the time this comes out, it won't be that under the radar, but I digress. <laughs> it's 2009's Triangle.
2: Yeah, I remember you loving that one. I remember you loving uh, that one.
1: Starring Melissa George and for the other people you might know, Liam Hemsworth. Do you remember Liam Hemsworth? Yeah, he's a
2: pretty popular guy these days, isn't he?
1: Yeah. And so I think those Wasn't are he, wasn't he Thor? The I think his brother <laughs> was Thor. Chris Hemsworth. He?
2: What? There's two of them? <laughs> <laughs>
0: But that's what no, I was I think thinking when, he, when I heard Hemsworth, and then I realized it wasn't the same one. So, oh,
1: there you go. Yeah, he kind of looks like him, though. I don't know if they're twins or not. Anyways, the story revolves around Melissa George's character, Jess, who, who's caring for her special needs son, super stressed out. And uh, one of her friends, Greg, played by Michael Dorman, suggests, uh, oh, let's go on a sailing trip. It'll be super relaxing. We'll bring the friends. We'll go out and have a, a good old time. So, unfortunately, during the, the sailing trip, they run into a storm. And uh, the boat... Uh, well, if you've ever seen those, like, <laughs> big wave movies... Like the perfect really storm? It, yeah, they really do a number on the boat. But luckily, mm. a lot of people survive the wave, and uh, they're just sitting on the boat waiting to be rescued. And then they see this massive, like, Cruise ship, like Titanic looking thing, floating towards them, and they're like, Oh, yeah, we're gonna be rescued. That's convenient. And so they manage to, uh, to get on the big ship and uh, start to look around there, but for some reason, no one's on the ship and they get scared. And they should be scared <laughs> because um, some <laughs> crazy, crazy crap happens on the ship. It, and it's not, once again, it's not your traditional movie. Uh, and by the end, you'll be like, "Wow, that was kind of cool. Well, at least that's what I thought. Yeah, they do a few techniques that at the time, I don't think a lot of movies were doing, but nowadays, I think a few more have done a similar thing. I don't really, I don't know if I should say the the technique or whatever because it might give too much away, but the, uh, yeah, so it's it's definitely kind of like another horror mystery. You're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Characters are pretty likable. And by the end it'll it's pretty cool. And and it's kinda scary. There's definitely scary parts there. But yeah, you've got to solve the mystery. Some people might say it's you can sort of tell what's going on, but when I first saw it, uh, everything was kinda fresh and I really liked it. So it's on it's on Amazon Prime now, so you can probably watch it if you have Prime.
0: I'm gonna go watch
2: it right now. We're we're doing a thing, Jay. Now, is it on Amazon Prime in the United States of America? Let's just make sure. In America, you'd have to look at Voodoo or Tubi. God, America, you can find everything online. God bless America.
0: All right, guys, that, that brings us through our first half of our top 10 list.
1: I, I think uh, just for a gag, you should say, like, okay, now time for the intermission, and then do Spanish Flea, where we do... <laughs> <laughs> and then cut back and say, welcome back to the second half. <laughs> or something like that. I think that would be funny.
0: Alright, so my number five is a Canadian movie. What? It is from nineteen ninety-seven. Huh. And it's one that I did not rewatch because Uh-oh. I just love the concept of it. It's a concept that in fact inspired a board game that I've played with my friends that is also freaking awesome. But funny enough. You go to the Wikipedia for this movie, and it does not mention the game at all. Like, I don't know how people cannot make this connection. Bed bugs. No, it's not Operation either. Mouse trap. This movie is called Cube.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah awesome. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah.
0: The synopsis here: without remembering how they got there, a group of strangers awaken in a prison of cubic cells, some of them booby-trapped. It soon becomes clear that each of them possesses the peculiar skills necessary to escape, but time is running out. So, from what I understand about this movie, this was a micro-budget movie. The setup is brilliant. There, there are only seven actors in this thing. They only built one full cube room, and then they had half a cube room for when you, when you looked from one cube room into the next cube room. And the way they distinguished it was they would use different colored cells, like, you know, o- over the lights. What do you call it, Mr. Grip there? The gels or whatever that you put over the lights? Yeah. color gels. Okay, so them. <laughs> so their budget was so tight that they couldn't afford to have seven different colors. They could only have six different colors. But anyway, the, the idea here is that they're trying to find a way out of this cubic prison... They don't know how many cube rooms there are, but there are booby traps in some of those rooms. And to give you an idea, it was around that time that I had seen the movie Ghost Ship and also Resident Evil use the same sort of thing where people get sliced and diced and cut and chopped into little tiny pieces. (laughs) Slice and dice and dave. And that happens in one of these rooms. Let's just, I'll leave it at that. Like I said, I didn't rewatch it, so I can't comment on the quality of the acting. I've heard the quality of the acting is not great. Again, this movie is all about the concept and the fact that they were able to execute something with very small amounts of cash into something that was very compelling to watch. Just a couple, a couple of comments on Letterbox caught my eye. Parker here writes, uh, It's like Final Destination, but instead of death, the bad guy is math just and like then, high school. And then Branson Reese writes, This is why I always tell people not to get trapped inside a deadly cube. <laughs> yes, truer words were never spoken. Uh, I've always been proud that this one is a Canadian movie. I I tried to show it to my friends who I've played the game with. They were less than impressed because they can't handle gore. But the game that was inspired by this is called Room 25. And is it is literally you and your teammates are in the middle of a grid of rooms and you have to find your way out, but you don't know what's going to happen in, in each adjacent room. And it's, it's the, it's the same concept. So yeah, for that special place in my heart, definitely worth a watch. 1997 Cube, my number five great film.
2: And you know what's pretty cool about this particular one? was I was uh, I was working on a, a TV series called The Returned, you see, back in 2015. I'll be damned if it wasn't being directed by Vincenzo Natale, who was the director of Cube, as you were saying. So I went and sat down. I said, hey, man, I really gotta say I love Cube. <laughs> and, uh, oh, he was a very, very friendly guy, man, and he appreciated me coming up and, well, he didn't I guess he didn't say he appreciated me, but it seemed like he appreciated the fact that I liked to cube. So uh, that's pretty cool. He also did
0: Splice. Did you ever see Splice? Well, I wanted to call back as well to one of our practice episodes because he also did In the Tall Grass.
1: Oh,
2: get out of town. There you go.
0: There you go. No, he was uh, a very, very cool dude. So I'm glad I got to... Glad I said something to him. Grave Rubber Jeff, did you see Cube?
1: I did. I thought it was... Pretty gross and quite a fun movie. Exactly. Hey,
2: has anybody seen Cube 2? No. Oh, it's called Cube 2 Hypercube.
0: <laughs> oh, I got to watch that now. That's a brilliant title. All right, Slice Dyson, and, and Dave, how about your number five? <laughs> uh, Hypercube. Awesome. Um, my number five
2: is from 2002... Cube 2, Hyper (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Come on now. Uh, Thanks, Jason the Terrible. My pick for number five is a uh, kind of a horror comedy. I haven't had much horror comedy on here. I guess Feast was kind of funny, but it wasn't really a horror comedy. Anywho, from 1986, I talk about the lighting and color a lot about this movie. Now I'm going to talk about the rest of it. Vamp. Directed by Richard Wenk. He was the co-producer of The Girl Next Door and writer of Lethal Weapon 5 that's coming out soon. Uh, it's a comedy vampire movie. Basically a couple dudes want to be in a fraternity. They figure that if they hire a stripper for said fraternity, they'll uh, let them right in. So they uh, rip out uh, some the strip club with another one of their buddies because they had to borrow his car. And uh, Unfortunately, the strip club that they chose... Uh, basically all the strippers are vampires. <laughs> 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 and the hilarity and horror ensue so obviously uh one of them uh well i don't want to really get into it but i very great movie chris make peace as keith from a movie called my bodyguard and meatballs uh sandy baron as vic from leprechaun 2 robert rustler as aj you, you might find him in uh, weird science and a nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge and uh, the main gal, Katrina, was played by Grace Jones, who's a very popular model, a singer and songwriter.
0: She was a in Grace a James Jones. Bond movie, wasn't she?
2: She sure was. She sure was. So she's the uh, vampire gal. Very good movie. Very funny. Very 80s. Very
1: my cup of tea.
2: <laughs> Jeff, have you seen it? I figure that would be your cup of tea.
1: Yeah, I, I own it on your recommendation.
2: Oh, did you, did I tell you to buy it?
1: Yeah, and I watched, and it was good.
2: Well, there, hey, there you go, guys. See, listen, my recommendation worked.
1: And, and that right? theme will lead right into my number five when we get there.
2: <laughs> well, guess where we are, Jeff? We're there. We're on to your. We're on to number five.
1: Oh, are you done with Vamp?
2: Pretty much. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and I'll bring it up for like the eighteenth million time in this podcast. I absolutely loved the color of the, like, chasing scenes and stuff near the end. Um, if you watch the preview, you'll see what I'm talking about with all the hot pinks and greens projected
1: onto the buildings. I loved it. Cool. All right. All right, top five. This is pretty serious. <clears throat> sure is. But but as I mentioned before, this came right from a suggestion from Slice and Dice and Dave. Uh, is it Van? His, his DVD. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also in the horror comedy genre. It probably should be in its own category because it's like the like the over-the-top comedy horror genre, if that makes any sense. It's from 1990. I don't know if you guys respect Bill Murray's opinion. I
0: love, I
2: love Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. And I, I respect his opinion for the most part.
1: So, so So on the poster it says, If you only see one movie this year... It should be Frankenhooker. And,
0: <laughs> uh, and that was a quote from Bill Murray? Is that what you're saying?
1: That's what it says on the movie poster.
0: Wow. <laughs> he, he was talking... Oh,
2: shit. I was going to say he was talking about a different movie, but he specifically <laughs> says Frankenhooker. Unbelievable.
1: Anyways, as the name suggests, this is one of those uh, movies that you can't take seriously, and you just got to have, have fun with it. <laughs> and I guess maybe I'm partial to it, because the name, main character's name is Jeffrey, paid, <laughs> played by James Lorenz. And he has a, fia- a very nice-looking fiancé. Fiancé? Fiancé. <laughs> a
0: fiancé. Uh,
1: Elizabeth, played by Patty Mullen. And they decide to have a birthday party for... For her dad one day, and good old Jeffrey here is quite the amateur inventor, and he's inventing stuff. and And he has this lawnmower that that he invented that I guess is like an automatic lawnmower, like a, a Roomba for grass. Do they have those nowadays? <laughs> they do. Like... They
2: sure do. I don't know what they're called, but yeah, they got them automatic mowers.
1: Oh, interesting, interesting. So that back in nineteen ninety, they did not have that sort of technology. So. Jeffrey decided to make one. Little did he know that his poor (laughs) fiancé... I'm going to be saying it like that forever now. Uh, Elizabeth, unfortunately, got caught in the path of the lawnmower and just got ripped to shreds, unfortunately. Now, Jeffrey's a smart guy, and and he quickly decides to save uh, Elizabeth's head because he figures... Well, if I can keep her head alive, then, then maybe I can figure out how to bring her back. And he comes up with a very elaborate plan to rebuild Elizabeth. And like the name suggests, he, he goes down the streets of New York trying to find hookers to find body parts so he can <laughs> rebuild <laughs> Elizabeth it's hard to talk about it it sounds pretty terrible but this is one of the most fun movies i think i've ever seen it just got i was laughing my ass off the whole time like it's very similar it kind of gives me a uh reanimator vibe a a bit but just it's all it's full-blown comedy like there's no there's nothing that's not (laughs) that's not funny anyways
2: uh, the tagline. If you got to say the tagline? If not, yeah. I'm going to say it right now. A terrifying tale of sluts and bolts.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say that. Because, <laughs> like, maybe this film's getting way too uh, uh, offensive. Canceled? But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, since... You got to keep it apart from from the 90s, I guess. Yeah, maybe if it came out nowadays, I don't know what people would Oh, this
0: is not coming out any nowadays.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, anyways, I got to give a special shout out to Patty Mullen, who plays the Frankenhooker, because she was goddamn hilarious.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, she is. is. She's good, man. Oh and my like god. And like facial
1: expressions stuff. it's just it's a it's a screwball comedy from the director of Basket Case which was a fairly popular horror movie. And the director's name is Frank Henenlotter. I thought you were going to so say There Frank you go. And That's Hooker. enough about Frank and Hooker. If if you want like a just a a laugh and a half for an hour and a half give it a give it a shot but but beware there's a lot of nudity and it's called Frankenhooker.
2: <laughs> oh god, sometimes you just luck out. This particular movie, I was um I was perusing the aisles of Arrow releases out in England. So this is one that was region free, and I said, "Well, I I mean, how can you go wrong?" <laughs> <laughs> I've never I never saw it, I never heard of it even. And boy was I glad I picked that one up for 6 pounds. So roughly 10 Canadian dollars I bought it for.
0: Alright, oh, another one that both of you have seen that I have not, so I have to put that on the list.
1: It's pretty really goddamn <laughs> funny, but I can understand why people might be offended by it. Thank you, Grave Robin Jeff.
2: Jason the Terrible, you're on the clock.
0: Four, four. Alright. My number four pick. This is so exciting. Two thousand sixes Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. All right, directed by Scott Glosserman, and also written by Scott Glosserman and David J. Steve. From Letterboxd, the next great psycho horror slasher has given a documentary crew exclusive access to his life as he plans his reign of terror over the sleepy town of Glen Echo, all the while deconstructing the conventions and archetypes of the horror genre for them. This is a handheld found footage quote-unquote movie. It's a documentary style movie, but it's freaking brilliant. Especially if you're a if you're a slasher fan and I mean it is a it is what you would call a horror comedy. For me it's an intelligent deconstruction of the genre. Nathan Basil plays Leslie Vernon. He's he's kind of like a he's a slasher in training. But he's getting ready for his next big round because, you know, as he points out, all these slashers, you know, they, they generally work on like one night a year or something like that, right? And so he's doing his cardio and everything. And it, these are the details that stick out to me even years after watching this where he's explaining, doesn't matter how fast the victims are running, the slashers is just expected to, to catch up with them and surprise them. That takes a lot of cardio. So, you know, it's 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 that kind of thing, right? So he's invited this documentary crew to to document the lead up to his murderous rampage. Angela Gaytals plays Taylor Gentry. She was actually Macaulay Culkin's sister in Home Alone, believe it or not. She gets to interview Leslie Vernon. He's, he goes around explaining everything that he's doing and how he, you know, he's stalking his victims and making notes and explaining everything and and introducing Taylor to his support system of Eugene and his wife, Jamie, played by Scott Wilson and Bridget Newton. Scott Wilson, of course, had a great role in The Walking Dead a few years ago. And it's Leslie and and Eugene as they're talking about the the history of horror. And their conversation set up the fact that this movie takes place in a universe that includes a real Jason, Michael Myers, and Freddy Krueger. And how these guys were the trailblazers for slashers years ago. And this movie is full of references to to past slasher movies like that. In fact, Kane Hodder, the the only actor to play Jason Voorhees four times in the Friday the 13th series, has a cameo as a resident at Freddy Krueger's house on Elm Street in this movie. But perhaps the biggest reference to past slasher movies is the fact that Robert Englund is in this movie, and he plays Doc Holleran. Doc Holleran is kind of Leslie's... Ahab figure. He's the Dr. Loomis figure. And it's pretty funny seeing him pop up in various places in this movie. He doesn't have a whole lot to do, but it's Robert Englund, so it's pretty cool. So yeah, you can tell that the, the, the filmmakers and everybody involved really love horror movies, really love slasher movies in particular. It's just a, it, it's a neat and different take on it. And then you throw in that there's a pretty cool twist in there, too. So... Yeah. I you really start you really like this Leslie Vernon guy even though he's he's about to go kill a bunch of people. And then when everything starts happening, it's goddamn scary too. So, what? Yeah. Once things start happening and Leslie gets down to business, you realize he's as much as you started to kind of like him. He's definitely not somebody that you should probably be liking too much. Yeah, I always like this one. I saw it a while ago. I did not rewatch it for this one. It still comes in at my number four Behind the Mask The Rise of Leslie Vernon.
2: Yeah, you've uh
0: you've you've really been pumping this one, and I still haven't been able to see it yet. Oh so well I've, so this is what I was yeah. when you said what? I was like I thought you were disagreeing with my take. No. No, I haven't seen what do you think, man? Do you think I've seen it? I haven't seen it. I thought you saw it. Jeff, did you see
1: it? No, but I own it.
0: Okay. Oh, God, none of us have seen it. So you guys, <laughs> put it on your list. Go watch it.
1: All right. I'm, I'm trying
0: it. to find it. I'm trying to find it. In Canada, it's on Shudder. It is. In the U.S., it's on Shudder and AMC+. Plus. So, yeah, it's out there. Fantastic. Thank you, Jason the Terrible. You're oh, my welcome. God, that means it's me, isn't
2: it? Oh, my God.
0: That's right. Slice and Dice and Dave, your number four pick. Thank you, Jason the Terrible. For my number
2: four pick, we gotta go all the way back to 1985. From the director of such hits as Poltergeist, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2, that's right, Toby Hooper, you guys know that guy, he's a big time horror movie director, well, he also directed Life Force. You guys ever see Life Force?
0: I have seen Life Force.
2: Jeff, isn't it awesome? It was not under
0: our radars.
2: Well, that's probably because I told you to watch it. And secondly, like you think of Toby Hooper, you think of Poltergeist. Teska's Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2. You don't necessarily think of Life Force, you see what I'm saying? That's how I explain it as being under the radar. Life Force, a race of space vampires, arrives in London and infects the populace, beginning an apocalyptic descent into chaos thank you internet movie database that's right everybody this movie is about space vampires yeah geez man like you see you see the part where like a vampire sucks out the life force of that human being and he's just like left all hilarious looking (laughs) that's what really got me and 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 um it stars steve rails back of uh, barbed wire and disturbing behavior. Um, Mathilda May from The Jackal and a bunch of French films because she's a French gal. And, uh, geez, man, what a good-looking gal. And for the first, like, chunk of the movie, she's walking around completely nude because she's a space vampire. It's insane. And that's what space uh, vampires do. Obviously. Yeah, a dude named Patrick Stewart Like, he's like Picard and all that business from Star Trek. He's in it. (laughs) So you got to have a sci-fi horror movie on here. And uh, holy shit, that's two vampire movies in a row from me. And I wouldn't consider myself a huge vampire type guy, but that's Vamp and Life Force. Unbelievable. Well, I mean, Life Force,
0: Force, I think is a, I mean, yes, they're space vampires, but they're not. Space
2: vampires, they're sucking the life right out of you.
0: Yeah, but they're you not a saying? typical vampire. I know. It's not I know. sharp teeth and neck biting and stuff. It's it's naked space vampires.
2: Oh, God, what a good movie. Number four, Life Force from
1: 1985.
0: Great pick, Slice and Dice and Dave. How about you, Grave Robber Jeff? What's your number
1: four? All right, so this is one that was at number 11, and I decided to rewatch it, and it jumped Ooh. all the way up to number four. Wow. And uh, it checks all the boxes. It's my creature feature entry from 2006, Slither.
0: Ooh, yeah! wow! <laughs> our first crossover, our first application. Yes. That's incredible.
1: I re- I recently watched it again, and it's it's a great movie. And for hey, all those just reasons we already talked about, I I do <laughs> so have to say can. that save it, time on this one.
2: I do have to say that it was—it almost made my list as well. So that would have been—that would have been all three of us.
0: Well, that's cool, Gray Jeff, you had a great poker face back then when I was talking about that being my number six. He never let on at all.
1: Well, it's strange. There's only one duplicate so far. So let's see what happens in the top three.
0: Well, I'm willing to actually, on the record, I'm willing to bet that there's another duplication coming up. But I just have a feeling. So.
1: I've picked some really oddball ones that i'm second guessing myself but anyways
0: oh man how exciting exactly it's exciting and cool number three. all right but that you know what that means though that brings us into our top three top three is pretty important yeah, damn right, they are all right there so you, my number go. three pick because it deserves all of this hype and circumstance Hey, if anybody picks my number one before I get to number
2: one, I'm going to be really pissed (laughs) off, by the way. It's possible. It's going to get tricky.
0: How anticlimactic. It's possible. You just got to pretend that it's not. Anyway. Yeah, you got that right. Uh, All right, so my number three. I've mentioned this one before, and actually in a practice podcast, I did a mini review of it. And that is 2001's directorial debut of Bill Paxton, Frailty written by Brett Hanley. From the IMDb synopsis, a mysterious man, played by Matthew McConaughey, arrives at the offices of an FBI agent, played by Powers Booth, and recounts his childhood, how his religious fanatic father, Bill Paxton, received visions telling him to destroy people who were, in fact, quote-unquote, demons. So Bill Paxton directs himself in his directorial debut, He's the father in the flashback where these two kids, I mean, for me, this movie works because of the situation that these two kids are in. In the middle of the night, their dad bursts into their room and starts talking about how he just had a vision from an angel, and now he's going to have to start like, he's going he's gonna to receive instructions about weapons to use and, like, get a list of people that he has to go and eliminate because they're demons. And the kids are, like, lying in bed in the middle of the night, like, what the hell just happened? Mm-hmm. And then they wake up the next morning and, you know, the dad's acting normal, not saying anything. And kids are like, okay, well, maybe we just dreamed this. And, you know, they go off to school and they're... He drives him to school, and just as they're getting out the car door to head out to school, he's like, "Yeah, so don't forget, guys, I'm going to get that list of demons soon too." And they', like, "Oh no." So this is not a gory movie at all, but there's a lot of implied violence. There's like the weapon that's been chosen for, for the dad to use is, a, is an axe, but you never actually see him use it? but the implication is that his children see him use it and so it's a, it's a very off-putting and unsettling and and the two kids respond in two very different ways and that's what ties it in with the the present day story of Matthew McConaughey's character talking to the FBI agent because the FBI has been searching for A serial killer for years and Matthew McConaughey is there to say well I know who the the killer is and it's all because of what my dad started and put in motion back when we were kids so this is one of the kids coming to the FBI agent and you, you know that right away because that's how the the story is narrated since I've seen it I've heard a lot of good things and I, to be honest, I can't remember how this ended up in my DVD collection. I thought it was a gift from a friend of mine, but turns out it wasn't. He had just seen it before and also agreed that it was a great movie. And it's absolutely very well done. Bill Paxton, we lost too early. I was very impressed with with his acting job in this one and the direction. It's, it's a great movie. Go check it out. Frailty, 2001. Do do you know what's
2: terrifying, Jason, the terrifying or terrible?
0: What's that, Slicing the Dave?
2: You know how you're saying, whoa, I don't know how I got this DVD. Well, I have this movie on DVD and I have no idea how I got it. (laughs) And I haven't even seen it yet. So what the hell is it doing down in my basement? It's terrifying. You know what I'm saying? Maybe, Maybe they just appeared. It's in our collections
0: kind of possible grave rubber jeff think, do you have it in your collection
1: no no i do not okay
0: well there goes that idea then. <laughs> I, th- I think it's
2: probably the wife's actually <laughs> to be fair but i mean to be i don't know where it came from 100 percent. so there you yeah. go uh is it my pick is it already mine it pick? is your number three slice and dice number three wow wow only one duplicate so far gentlemen This one is a fairly recent movie, can you believe it? It's from 2014. It's called... Spring. Just gonna let that sink in for a minute. It's directed by a duo, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. A young man in a personal tailspin flees the U.S. to Italy, where he sparks up a romance with a woman harboring a dark, primordial secret. So, this is such a goddamn beautiful movie. Man, like, you got the, the two main characters. Beautiful. The beautiful location takes place in Italy. Just, it's goddamn beautifully shot. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Very Lovecraftian, because she's a kind of like a monsterish. <laughs> But it's like it's like this big time romance movie, but it's still a horror movie. Oh God, it's just so goddamn good. <laughs> Anywho, the actors are Lou Taylor Pucci. Uh, he's from the Evil Dead remake uh, and American Horror Story season nine, the 1984 one. That was a good one. He plays Evan. He's the gentleman that's having some tough luck down over there in America, and says, "Screw that! I'm going to friggin' going on a trip." So he goes to Italy there. And then the uh, gal uh, is Nadia Hilker. She was 54 episodes of The Walking Dead. But she might have been when I stopped watching, because I can't really remember her. She plays Louise. The, the love interest, as you, as you say. There's a little bit of gross stuff happening in this movie. Not much, but pretty go- gross at times. The, it's visually the most pleasing horror film I've ever seen. And I don't think I'm bigging it up too much because l- I literally watched it a few days ago, and I loved it just as much. Maybe I just like loved the characters. Maybe I'm just a big sissy because I like romance films too. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it's like a it's a romance movie, but it's a horror movie. Lovecrafty, you and know, I'm a big Lovecraft fan, or at least the monster type body horror stuff. You know what I'm saying? And uh, this is all about that. So yeah, guys, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but Spring from 2014. More romance, but horror as well.
0: I have so not really heard go. of that one, but you're I'm intrigued by how how passionately you are talking it up.
2: It's not like a ton to it either, but it's just very well done. All right. Grave
0: Robber Jeff, you're number three.
1: So this is the one choice I feel maybe that doesn't fit into the category too well. It's a 2007 movie based on the adaptation of a Stephen King story, 1408. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah, so I think back in the day when they were promoting it, it probably had some, some fanfare being a Stephen King movie. And they've got some star power in here, John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson. But if you haven't heard of this one, it is one of my favorite movies. Well, wow. and it's it's not your run-of-the-mill like hacker slasher again. John Cusack's character Mike is kind of a paranormal investigator author type guy who heads to haunted houses and haunted hotels to to kind of prove that they're not haunted. And his comings and goings bring him to this one hotel, but it's not an abandoned hotel in the middle of nowhere. It's a very hopping downtown New York hotel. And so the story is that people who stay in this one room, the room 1408, end up killing themselves. Whereas everybody who stays in all the other rooms awakes fresh as a daisy ready to take on the day. But for some reason, people who stay in 1408... That's just the end of their story, unfortunately. But anyways, good old Mike is so hell-bent on disproving all these stories that he makes Samuel L. Jackson give him the key to, you guessed it, room 1408. And over the course of an hour or so, many, 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 many crazy interesting things happen. It's something that, that stuck with me for a while. I just think the way they they did it is really good. Often the movie adaptations of the stories don't necessarily capture the idea very well, but, but I think in this case it did. And so it's kind of like, it, yeah, it's kind of a haunted house type horror mystery, but a good one. And the acting's great. And there's some emotional stuff in there that, that might affect you a bit. 2007's 1408 starring John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson.
0: Well, I agree with you. That is a great film. This is for the Stephen King fans who maybe got a little oversaturated with all the Stephen King adaptations, especially since they keep on going these days. Like not only are things getting made into Stephen King movies, but now everything's almost getting its own mini series too. If for any reason they haven't checked out 1408, just because there was so many Stephen King movies to watch, they're missing something pretty special with that movie. Anyway,
2: good choice, Jeff. 140 is great. That went across my mind of adding onto this list at some point. I haven't seen it for a number of years, but I do remember uh, really enjoying it.
0: Number two, number two. All right, guys, we're into our top two. Oh my god. We're almost there. Woo-hoo. I, I mentioned way back at the beginning of this episode that I rewatched my number one and number two, and mm-hmm. they switched places. So this was what I thought was going to be my number one because in my head it's always been a movie that stuck with me, and I, I watched it at, I guess, an impressionable age that it really had an impact, and it was so messed up and so psychological and so twisty and just visually disturbing, and the acting was so good. This one's from 1994, starring Sam Neill and Julie Carmen. in the Mouth of Madness. This has always been on the top of my list of, of favorite horror movies. From Rotten Tomatoes, when a horror novelist Sutter Kane, played by Jurgen Prochnow, goes missing, insurance investigator John Trent Sam Neill, is hired to find him and to retrieve the only copy of the writer's latest book. Accompanied by the novelist's editor, Linda Stiles, played by Julie Carmen, and disturbed by nightmares from reading Kane's other novels, Trent finds himself in an eerie town in New Hampshire, where the lines between reality, fiction, and insanity seem to be non-existent. So this is directed by John Carpenter, written by Michael DeLuca, who... Is also the author of, or the screenwriter of Freddy's Dead The Final Nightmare, which I was a bit surprised to hear that. But yeah, I, I can't say enough about Sam Neill's portrayal of John Trent in this movie. For me, this is where I know Sam Neill most, even though, you know, I love Jurassic Park and his involvement in that. He was also an Event Horizon. This movie is also the feature film debut of one Hayden Christensen who went on to become Anakin Skywalker he's Canadian he is a Canadian he plays a paper boy in this movie yeah so I mean this is definitely inspired by H.P. Lovecraft there's a lot of creature effects in here there's a lot of tentacles there's a like I said there's a lot of horror visuals that really stuck with me like this this was around the time when I was becoming a horror fan that I watched this. I wasn't as desensitized as I am now. Watching it again yesterday, it still had that magic to it for me, but it is a little dated. When I get to my number one, I think the difference between the two is that my new number one just held up a bit better on on watching it again. That's why this one fell to number two. The whole thing is about a horror author and the effects on reality it's very much inspired by Stephen King's work as well. There's more inspiration coming from H.P. Lovecraft for sure. But the novelist Sutter kane it's essentially Stephen King. They even bring it up that Sutter Kane outsells Stephen King. They, the, the, the comparison is so on the nose that they had to mention it in the movie just because if they didn't, it would be too obvious. It's just one of John Carpenter's lesser known works, but it's just one of those movies that if someone asks me for an off-the-wall, underrated or under-the-radar recommendation, this is one of the first ones I always think of. In the Mouth of Madness. Good pick, Jay. I remember watching that one back in the old day. Filmed in,
2: uh, filmed in Toronto. So another Canadian uh, business.
0: Yeah, Markham
2: and Toronto. And there you go, eh? I tell you, Canada in horror movies fantastic
0: all right slice and dice and dave you're number two
2: thank you jason the terrible this is slice and dice and dave and i have reached the number two pick from 1986 a film directed by the gentleman who directed reanimator stuart gordon from beyond yay from Beyond from 1986, yes, so you know Stuart Gordon from Reanimator, Castle Freak, he was the writer of Dagon, and, oh no, sorry, director of Dagon, writer of Dentist 1 and 2, um, he also wrote this, along with his pal Dennis Paoli and Brian Usna, they've worked a, a bunch together, those guys, Usna did uh, Society, he was the director of Society, loosely based on the H.P. Lovecraft story of the same name, a short story of the same name. It was shot in Italy with an Italian crew. And hilariously enough, my number three pick, Spring, was shot in Italy with an Italian crew. And hilariously enough, Spring is kind of Lovecraftian. Just like number two here, From Beyond. It's pretty Lovecraftian. (laughs) So this is what it's
0: about. Noticing that theme.
2: Yeah, isn't that insane? So I guess, up until this point, I... I didn't even really know who H.P. Lovecraft was, you know, so it's quite incredible that it, a lot of stuff in, infected me so much over the years without even knowing who he was. A group of scientists have developed the Resonator, a machine which allows whoever is within range to see beyond normal, perceptible reality. But when the experiment succeeds, they are immediately attacked by terrible life forms. Thank you, Internet Movie Database, for this uh, synopsis. Yes, starring Jeffrey Combs of Reanimator, The Frighteners, and I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. (laughs) Did you know he was in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer? Well, he was. I did. And uh, with Barbara Crampton from Jacob's Wife, uh, a gentleman named Ken Foree from The Devil's Rejects, Halloween, the Rob Zombie version, the original Dawn of the Dead. And he also worked with Barbara Crampton in a movie called Blood Brothers this movie is just cool (laughs) and bizarre jeff have you seen from beyond
1: i sure have and i agree with that statement
0: weird and bizarre (laughs) yep i've been waiting to see this one for so long and you just told me this past week it came back on Tubi here in canada so i'm i've got that queued up yeah yeah big time because
2: because i know you probably wanted to purchase it but i think i have the blu-ray thank christ i bought it when i did I think I only spent 20 bucks on it. Now it's quite expensive if you want to purchase it. God, you got to be careful with those Blu-rays. Like, for instance, the uh, Life Force Blu-ray I bought, I I locked out because there was a version that had um, it was the collector's issue, and I think they there was this um, making-of sequence or something, but they didn't get the rights to release it. But they released it anyway or something. And anyway, they had to pull that copy, right? So then you can't find it anymore. I happened to find it used at a video store here for only 20 bucks. I was like, oh my God. I was so happy. Anywho, From Beyond, <laughs> from Stuart Gordon. I love Stuart Gordon. I love Brian Hughes and I love those guys. They're such awesome people, man. Or well, I don't know if they're awesome people, but the movies they make are
0: awesome. I agree.
2: From Beyond, my number two pick, watch it. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. And you know what? It's it's kind of like embarrassing. You remember when we went to the Texas Frightmare there? Uh-huh. Uh, festival? And we went and uh, like, got autographs from Barbara Crampton and everything?
0: You're talking well, about was like, the particular picture that you picked?
2: Well, yeah, I'm about to explain that, Jay. So my favorite film of hers is From Beyond, right? But unfortunately, should I say unfortunately? The only um, picture she had from, from Beyond at the time was her all sexy and things. What I'm trying to say here is, I felt kind of embarrassed asking, but I do really love From
0: Beyond, <laughs> so there you go. All right. Grave Robber Jeff, you're number two.
1: My number two is kind of a more recent one, although it's already almost 10 years old. It's 2013's Oculus. Whoa! Well, you don't say. Interesting. And uh, I just found out it's actually on Canada Netflix now, too, so maybe more people are are watching it as well, so maybe it's not under the radar anymore, who knows, but uh, this one has stuck with me for a while, I just think it's great. It stars Karen Gillan, who if you're into superhero movies, she plays Nebula, I do not know them very well, but she's in this movie, <laughs> and uh, her brother, Tim, played by Brenton Thwaites, he was in a few different things, like Maleficent. Anyways, they're the two main characters in this movie. So poor Tim gets stuck in a mental hospital because he was accused of killing his dad when the two were kids. But he maintains his innocence along with his sister, who suspect that there's something in there was something in their house that that caused all the tragedy which ended up in the death of the mother and the father. And they, so this is where it gets a bit like, what the heck, you like this movie? But it uh, comes down to they think it's because of a haunted mirror. That's right, a haunted mirror. What the and hell, so, you like this movie? <laughs> so just as Tim gets out of the asylum, at the same time, Kaylee is at an auction to get her hands on the mirror that was in their childhood house. That they believe was responsible for their parents' death. And they believe that they have to destroy it so that it doesn't kill anybody else. And so it pits man versus mirror. Who will win? I guess you gotta watch to find out. But uh, it was a fun ride, I'll say that. I enjoyed it a lot.
2: Oh, damn, he directed
1: Doctor Sleep as well. Oh, That's I was going Flanagan. to bring that up. The director, Mike Flanagan, also directed Dr. Sleep. He did the uh, <laughs> Gerald's Game. The
0: Haunting, the of, Haunting Hill of Hill House. The Haunting of Hill House, an
1: episode, I think. So he's been around.
0: I've seen Oculus. I've seen it once, and it's been a while. I do remember it being pretty creepy. I'm glad you liked it this much, though.
1: I did like it.
0: All right. Cue the fanfare, everybody. We're on to our number one selection of underrated or underappreciated or under-the-radar horror movies. Alright, so I would would categorize my number one pick as not so much under-the-radar, but a bit underappreciated, and I would say under the shadow of another movie that came out in the same time period. That other movie had a very similar theme, had a kid that could see dead people. So yeah, the, the movie I picked for number one, a lot of the common themes that, that were in The Sixth Sense, but this is based on a novel by Richard Matheson, who wrote I Am Legend and a bunch of other really popular stories. And so this one actually existed well before Shyamalan's movie came out. But it just happened to, to come out after Sixth Sense, and so people were a little tired of the subject, I think. This one I saw in the theater, it creeped me the hell out. For years after that, I would recommend it to people to watch it. And I watched it again this week. I mean, at the heart of the story is a mystery, so when you watch it the second time, you, you don't have the mystery aspect of it, and I think it's better on our first watch. But it still impressed me with, with the creepiness. I don't know if you've guessed by now. My number one pick is 1999's Stir of Echoes.
1: That's Kevin Bacon, right?
0: Yes. So this stars Kevin Bacon as Tom Witsky. And, and a great song by Gob, Paint It Black. Yes, exactly.
2: *Painted Black confused. by the Rolling Stones, redone by Vancouver punk rock band
0: gob Catherine erbe as maggie witski she's from law and order criminal intent zachary david cope as jake witski so this is kevin bacon's son it's his only film actually i guess i should read the synopsis right so from rotten tomatoes blue collar family man tom witski played by kevin bacon scoffs at supernatural phenomenon until he lets his wife's sister lisa played by Ileana douglas put him into a hypnotic trance. Upon waking, Tom realizes he has a psychic connection with his son, Jake. He also has alarming hallucinations of a missing teenage neighbor named Samantha. Tom, convinced his visions will lead him to the girl, begins a desperate search that could endanger both himself and his family. This movie for me is chilling. It was chilling the first time I saw it, it's a little less chilling the second time the, the way they did the visuals in here, the way they do, I, I'm in love with the way they did the first hypnosis scene. Just the way that, that Lisa's character is talking to him and he's visualizing this movie theater that he's sitting in, trying to read the words that are on the screen. You almost get hypnotized yourself. And, and I've got like, I've got chills right now just thinking about that. And maybe that's because I turned down my thermostat so that we don't hear the fan in the background. But I really like the story. I like the ghost... I mean, it, at its heart, it's a ghost story. It is too bad that it shares so many similarities with The Sixth Sense. There's kids in both of them. It's about ghosts. They're completely different, in my opinion. They are, they are completely different. I just thought they were... The story was told very well. Kevin Bacon does an amazing job as the lead in this movie, and so does Catherine Erbe as, as his wife. You know, this is a couple that starts to go through some pretty crazy stuff as Tom kind of spins more and more out of control with what he's seeing and trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, directed by David David Kep, who also directed Secret Window, written by David Kep. And he also wrote, he was a co-writer on Jurassic Park and Spider-Man and Mission Impossible and War of the Worlds. This guy did a lot of writing. Yeah, looking back over my list, there's a lot of, you know, you've got your slashers and your goriness and your scary stuff and your horror comedies. At the top is just kind of like a, a subdued and chilling creepy ghost story. And I like that. So that's my number one pick, 1999s. Stir of Echoes.
2: Kind of doesn't fit on this list of uh, movies. No, I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> I was you, man. That of that.
2: No, that's, uh, I tell you what, man, I saw this movie in the old cinema when it first came out, and oh my God, is it good. I haven't, I haven't seen it in probably, I'd say, 15, 17 years, something like that. Yeah, friggin' uh, phenomenal movie. What are you diggin'? A hole? Oh, hold on, that was house. They told me to dig. It had another thing about digging. That was pretty hilarious.
0: Yeah, lots of digging in this movie. All right, Slice and Dice and Dave, your number one underrated, underappreciated, under-the-radar horror movie. Yes,
2: thank you, guys. I, this one takes me back quite a number of years. Some might say, hey, this shouldn't be on your list. I say to hell with you guys. From 1973's The Exorcist. Really? No. <laughs> no, uh, well, you know what? I had to do something because I can't talk about my number one pick because I'm picked it as number two <laughs> so I don't even get to say anything about my he could have he could have left something he could have said he could have left out the whole H.P. Lovecraft business no he he just f***ing went on for five minutes about that movie you know what a true fan of in the mouth of madness there's no way in hell you would not put it at number one on your list of uh, most under the radar so from 1994 in the mouth of madness by John Carpenter Thank you, John Carpenter. I'm a true fan of your film, In the Mouth of Madness. I put it as number one. Jeffrey the Grave Robber, what's your number one pick?
0: Well, talk about why you are the number one true fan of it, then. Well, because
2: I put it as number one, and I did not put it as number two on my (laughs) list. So, yeah, no, coming in at number one, like I said, was In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, Once again, thank you very much, Jay. I'm a little bitter here. But um, the, the really interesting thing to me is that... My number three pick was Spring, very monstery Lovecraftian. Number two was From Beyond, very monstery Lovecraftian. And holy shit, In the Mouth of Madness is my number one, very monstery Lovecraftian. Yeah, so even the title itself plays uh, into one of Lovecraft's novellas, At the Mountains of Madness. And obviously uh, Insanity plays a a lot into Lovecraft's fiction. This particular movie is all about madness; hence the name "In the Mouth of Madness." Sutter Kane, Hobbs End, oh, so good. Yeah. So some of the uh, some of the movies that, uh, or some of the books that Sutter Kane wrote, "The Whisperer of the Dark," well, Lovecraft did, "The Whisperer in Darkness," or or "The Thing in the Basement," "The Thing on the Doorstep," or "Hunter Out of Time." The Haunter of the Dart. What the? That's got nothing to do with it. The Hobbs End horror? The Dunwich horror. That's got nothing to do with it either. Anyway, I had watched it fairly recently again. What you said, it, it almost doesn't hold up as much as... Well, the thing is, it had been such a... It has been my favorite horror movie for so long that when I watched it again, it, it was a weird feeling. Because it was almost like it couldn't live up to my love for it do you know what I mean
0: I think I had the same feeling that's the problem yeah
2: yeah but I can't take away like 15 20 years of loving it so much you know what I mean? it, it, it made such an impact on me for 20 years that there's no way I can just be like ah eh, I'm, go- I'm gonna move you to number two here in the mouth <laughs> I got to keep you at number one. That's for damn sure. No, and uh, obviously uh, Sam Neill is fantastic. And John Carpenter, man. Well, uh, you, you know that guy. He did he did Halloween <laughs> and The Thing. See, that that's one of the reasons I could pick this one as kind of an under-the-radar. Because when you think of John Carpenter, you don't think of In the Mouth of Madness. Well, guess what? I do.
1: So is this movie uh, watchable on any streaming service right now? I missed. Oh that. Jesus
2: Christ! Are you trying to think if you wanted to go and see it at some point? Or watch no, it? I,
1: yes, I want to watch it because obviously you guys love it. So I got have to you not what it was seen about. it? I think I've seen it, but I can't remember anything. Well, I, it.
2: I do have the DVD. But if you wanted to watch it on a streaming service here in Canada, you would have to rent or purchase it. You can't stream it in the States right now. Nope. Well, that, see, there you go. That's why it's kind of, that's under the rate. You'd have to pay to see it right now in America. Interesting. In the Mouth of Madness. Lived any good books lately?
0: <laughs> cool. All right. Grave robber Jeff. It's come down to this, our 30th movie that we've talked about. Well, actually, that's not true because we've got a couple of overlaps. But Jeff, you're number one.
1: How the heck did I end up talking about the final movie? Your on number one. Your number You're
0: one. Number one. You're,
1: oh. I took a bit of a different strategy for this one. I was just writing down ones that I liked and maybe other people didn't or hadn't heard of it. And this one happened to be the least rated movie of them all. And I was like, it's not that bad. I really like it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And so this could get a lot of eye rolls from the horror movie public, but I'll just lay it out there. From 1987, The Slumber Party Massacre 2. <laughs> this is, of course, well, a sequel to The Slumber Party Massacre, <laughs> which, which a lot of more people liked. But for some reason, the sequel did not get a lot of love. I have a hard time describing this because I had so much fun watching this movie. Because I don't know if you've seen the poster, but the killer is a rock band lead singer. And throughout the movie, he's singing and playing the guitar like nobody's business. And maybe it's just because we're a musical family and I like the guitar. (laughs) Maybe that's what made it so entertaining. I don't know. Another interesting thing is this thing is only an hour and 17 minutes long. So it's there and it's gone pretty quick. Just a little bit of the backstory here. So, of course, we all remember the first one, which was a very traditional slasher movie. I really like the first one too, but I like the second one better. Oh my God. I'm digging my own grave here, Grave Robber Jeff. Uh. So the main character this time around is the younger sister of one of the original Slumber Parties. I like that <laughs> that uh, term, and she's having a lot of trouble, a lot of nightmares, and and dealing with the trauma from that original episode year years ago. And so she figures out, well, you know what? Let's go to the country and and uh, relax a bit with my rock and roll bandmates. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, we'll go practice music. It'll be great. So they go and then they they practice some music and and the boyfriends show up. So it's kind of like a regular, kind of regular run of the mill 80s horror movie with young people getting stalked and all that sort of stuff. But the person doing the stalking is a guitar wielding Elvis lookalike. And he's got a drill on his guitar. And it's just, like, kind of the coolest, unique uh, type of situation that I've come across. And it's almost like a musical in a lot of ways, where where he's just, play, just playing the guitar and singing some rock. Then once in a while, unfortunately, does some, you know, regular horror movie stuff. But I don't know, I found it great. And it has one of, I think, Jason the Terrible's mentioned this scene before. It's got one of the most famous pimple popping scenes you're ever going to see in this movie. Oh, that was so gross. So that plus the guitar wielding killer. I just think it's a neat movie. And I don't understand why people don't like it. Jeff, I absolutely love this movie myself. Well,
0: so when I was in high school, I thought, hey, yeah, I'm going to rent Slumber Party Massacre too, because that's probably a movie that I'm not supposed to watch. Oh, I just remember thinking, oh, I'm going to see all these slumber partiers, and then I got that pimple-popping scene, and I was traumatized. <laughs> all right, guys, well, you've given me a lot of movies to go and watch. Yeah, you and too, this, guys. This is kind of what I was hoping would happen with a list like this. This is cool. That was uh, a tough one to do, guys, because like you got to pick movies that aren't as well-known, but are still good. Well, I mean, there's tons of those out there. That that's the thing. Like if we were to do a top ten list of our favorite horror movies, maybe some of these would show up on there, but you're gonna get a lot of the same movies as everybody else comes up with. This is forcing us to dig a little deeper. I didn't intend to go back and rewatch as many as I did when I came up with this idea, and I just enjoyed the process of going back yeah. and rewatching them. Yeah. All right. Well, all you listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you heard of a couple of movies that you haven't heard of before and you're going to go out and check them out and tell us if we're way off base. All right. Well, you can get in touch with us at watchouthorror at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at watchouthorror or follow us on Instagram at watchouthorrorcast. Our link tree is linktr.ee slash watchouthorror. We do have a website coming soon. If you go to WatchOutHorror.com, maybe by the time you hear this, there will be a real website there. If not, it's going to say coming soon because it is coming soon. (laughs) We're we're working on it. It's a lot of work making a website these days. It is a lot of work. All right, listeners, thank you very much again for sticking with us. Until next time, and there will be a next time. Be safe. Treat each other well and go watch some movies. Woohoo! Top
2: 10s. <laughs> right?
0: Thank you for listening to Watch Out. The opinions you've just heard have been made by three guys from Canada. Please keep this in mind and enjoy responsibly.
2: Hey, hey there, everyone. This is Slice and Dice and Dave. I'm part of the podcast. I'm one of the, one of the guys that, uh, I'm, I'm the, th- oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love how your voice cracked when you said pimple poppins. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That was gonna be on my stupid list, and I completely forgot.
0: You want to go back and redo this episode?
2: <laughs> no, because I wanted to rewatch it. For some reason, it's not on my uh, it's not on my list. Do you know what I loved? That... Living in a small town, being able to rent movies without parents' permission. <laughs> oh God, all these R-rated movies. I remember Mom got so pissed off once that, what the hell movie did I rent? Oh. I rented a movie called Jade, and and anyway, she was not very happy that they let me rent it, so I think she went and yelled at him. So then I went and tried to rent Jason Goes to Hell, like, the next weekend, they wouldn't let me rent it. I was pissed. I was like, Mom, for Christ's sakes. How embarrassing. (laughs) Ugh.